Welcome to the podcast, A Drink with Derek. Follow comedian Derek Richards on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to his YouTube channel and watch all episodes of the podcast. Now grab a drink and join your host, Derek Richards. Ladies and gentlemen, Dave Landau. Thank you, thank you. It's a mohawk. Um, it's good to be here in New York. I'm from Detroit, Michigan, originally. Thank you. Yeah. Really? Tourism's down. The best thing about being from Detroit, we have our own anthem, which is Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. So anytime you're in a bar, restaurant, or Tigers game, you hear the line, just a city boy, everybody stops to go. Born and raised in South Detroit. But the very next line to that song is he took the midnight train going anywhere. That means anywhere on earth other than Detroit. How's that for hometown pride? Hey, where's this train going? Who gives a shit? It's midnight in Detroit. Two tickets that way, please. Leave the baby, he can't keep up. We'll make a new one when we get anywhere. Should we sell the house? I don't really need $11. It's interesting, Detroit to help revitalize the community, hipsters will move like next door to crack houses and do a thing called urban farming where they plant fruits and vegetables. Then you see them on the news and they're like, they robbed us and cut our faces open as a warning. Yeah, that's because you're fucking with their business. You know what people want to buy way more than fruits and vegetables? Crack. Nobody's ever sucked dick for an orange. That's never happened. I live in Metro Detroit uh, with my wife who just gave birth to our first child, which is really awesome. Yeah, it's great. And I'm a, I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict, and now that we have a kid, people have questions. Like, my other, my, the other day, my buddy's like, well, like, what if you caught your kid smoking weed? That's a harmless drug. What if you caught him smoking weed? I'm like, well, seeing as he's a baby, I'd be impressed. I'm like, wow, did you roll that yourself? I thought you'd walk first. I think if my kid smokes weed, by the time he's old enough, it's just gonna be legal. And remember how your dad used to tell you, like, I used to walk 30 miles to school, up and down hill in cardboard shoes. I was damn lucky to have. I would just do that shit to my kid with weed. I'd be like, oh yeah, did you go to the store to get your pot again? You got it easy. Back in my day, you used to have to page your drug dealer, and sometimes they wouldn't get back to you. So then you'd have to start hitting up other people's drug dealers. But they were dry, so you and your friends drove down, to the shittiest neighborhood you've ever seen in your life and waited for somebody to go, cacao, cacao. <laughs> and you'd go, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo, hoo-hoo. And they'd run out and sell you a dime bag of mainly stems and seeds, possibly some fish food. You and your friends would roll up a doobie and get headaches, but you know what? You were goddamn lucky to have it, son. 
what I always loved about Dope Streets was just call, like a cop was gonna go, you know, I thought there was a drug deal going on over there. <laughs> Clearly just a falcon talking to an owl. <laughs> Falcons aren't indigenous to this area. Owl, very wise bird, probably helping him back to his natural habitat. <laughs> I think in 10 years, pot's gonna be legal and peanuts won't be. I really do. I think, I think you're gonna have to meet a dude in an alley to get a couple grams of Jif. I'm not a cop, like, all right, I got creamy, but for extra 20, I got that chunk, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Shit straight nut. My guest today, whom you just saw there, is uh, third chair on Louder with Crowder, very popular podcast, brilliant podcast. Also his album, Nimble Fingers, is available anywhere that you grab your comedy albums. His uh, movie, King of Detroit, can be seen on Amazon. He's seen on Comedy Central, Last Comic Standing. Good friend of mine, Dave Landau, in uh, in Texas right now. I am I in am. Las Vegas. You are in Texas. I am. I'm in Texas in my apartment. It's uh, it's coming together a little bit. I got it. I got, you know. There you go. Yeah, it's coming together. Well, this is all a brand new move for you, and we're going to get to that here in just a second. But uh, a couple of random questions I'd like to throw at you. You have been uh, sober for a number of years. Now, I got to ask, what is it like to be sober on St. Patrick's Day? It's difficult with my Irish heritage. Uh, I feel like I should drink myself to death. Uh, fortunately, uh, COVID only makes it worse. <laughs> so there's two in a row that where you're, you just really want to just hip it back and actually what I would have liked to do is go to the old shillelagh in Detroit like I used to and oh. get anni annihilated that's what that was my uh my go-to back in the day that was your ritual the old shillelagh yeah, yeah yeah we'd go to the old we'd start at the old shillelagh drink all day and I don't I remember I would go to the old shillelagh I couldn't tell you anything after that but I know that that's how it started did you ever usually, spend time in Corktown at all or just uh, old shillelagh and then everything yeah. went Everything went black. No, well, that's, you know, it's Detroit. But a part <laughs> of it... <laughs> uh, part of it is... Uh, yeah, no, I would go to Corktown. My uh, wife's, like, aunt ran a bar down there, and then my buddy ran a bar. And, uh, yeah, so I would go to Corktown a bit, actually, back back in the day. A lot that's of That's just places. what you need with an, with an addiction problem, is having friends that run bars oh yeah there's nothing wrong with that and friends that have <laughs> back that was in my 20s too so they had they ran bars you would do coke in the bathroom you know saint patty's day <laughs> who would the good you old days to, yeah you well, gotta why stay up why wouldn't you now, that was all, you always <laughs> how I many times how many times you've been arrested 13 13 13 Yes. Wow, sir. that's impressive. What's the most memorable arrest? Oh, of all of them. Um, well, one, if anybody wants to check it out, there's a story on This Is Not Happening about when I was put into a mental hospital. That was a fun one. But honestly, the most memorable arrest for me right now is the day I got my license. Because when I moved down here, the company bought me a car I picked out, which was a 2000 Buick Park Avenue. And I used to have a Buick Regal, a 98. And I found this like really nice one that this old lady had. So it's like mint condition, big. I, I love it. But it reminds me of the time 
that I got my license. And the very day that I got my license is when I slammed that car into a tree in a high-speed chase. That's so awesome. It was pretty good. I don't know if you've ever been hit with the airbag of a 98 Buick Regal. It hurts. It doesn't smell good. And I was telling another guy today, because he was talking about Chevy Cavaliers. I was like, yeah, I had one of those. I smashed into a wall. Then I drove down the freeway backwards with the car on fire. And the reason why they caught me was because I left my bumper there that still had the license plate on it. So... Fortunately, they didn't show up till the next day. They couldn't prove I had been drinking, which, oh boy, had I been drinking. But that one was that one wasn't an arrest, but it was still a memorable time because I, I passed out and hit the wall, and I was like looking around to see if I hit anybody or another. I'm like, where's the other car? I'm gonna go to prison. And I looked, and it wasn't another car. It was just me. So it wouldn't go into drive, but it would go into reverse. So I put it in reverse. And I drove backwards down the freeway in a burning car until I got home. I it, that speaks volumes for the for the uh, for the eyes and ears of the police department and the community by not even noticing a car driving backwards on fire. It's true. No, well, fire makes you discombobulated. That's why people don't stop, drop, and roll. They run around like a chicken with their head cut off. But if the fire is not on you, it sobers you up because it's right in front of you. So you it think? makes you be like, oh, this is. And that night, I had actually, this, I guess it had to be, a, this had to be 12 years ago. I went down to Gross Point, uh, the Cabbage Patch, right on the border of Detroit, and I was doing shots. And I kept taking the shot glass and sliding it down the bar and breaking it in the guy's ice. And he's just like, Land, I'm going to fucking kick you out of here if you don't stop. And I'm like, all right, sorry. Can I get another shot? And I drink it. And then I slide it down the bar and break in his ice. Such an and, asshole. Yeah, but this was the guy that ended up paying a mentally handicapped man to murder his wife like a month later. <laughs> like I was this close to being that guy's victim and it turned out he had like a sex dungeon in the basement of the place and everything and at I, the bar that you were drinking at? at the bar that i was drinking at the guy ended up going to prison yeah because they found his wife like over on the detroit side like she had been suffocated or something and they were like this just doesn't seem you know very car accidenty because <laughs> of the bag over her face no no whatever exactly. it was that's yeah so they found out that he had hired like the slow rain manish like the guy who would clean the bar to right. murder her. So I don't think I helped, but I don't <laughs> think it's my fault. <laughs> what was the so what was in the sex dungeon? Did they find they didn't find his wife down there? He, he had put no. her in a car and made it look like a car accident. Attempted to, but then okay. it was like he had she died of asphyxiation, the airbag didn't go off. Like it wasn't bad enough of an accident to kill someone. It was pretty sloppy. So yeah, he he uh did that and then they went into the dungeon to find out that he had been running this sex dungeon illegally for a very long time and that's when they realized like oh this guy is probably he probably killed his wife so we should look into it more you know because they went in looking for evidence and they're like well we don't have evidence but there is a a guy with an apple in his mouth getting pegged so <laughs> maybe <laughs> i love how you said Running an illegal sex dungeon as if right. 
you were to go on Google and type in legal sex dungeon, <laughs> legal sex dungeon, where, yeah, I think it was like prostitution and some other stuff, but it, they were more concerned with the the murder at the time. And, and yeah, the, I just before I had been breaking shot glasses into his ice and making him very upset, man, you've got, you got cool friends. Yeah, they were pretty cool. I, I well, I, I just, I just hope I, he didn't go home and his wife's like, "Why are you so late?" And he's like, "I'm fucking cleaning ice out, bitch," you know. And then he snaps. I'm gonna, <laughs> gonna I'm gonna hire Smitty to kill you. Hire, hire this slow guy who's yeah. mopping the shitter. It's so crazy. To take out your wife. Yeah, it's so crazy. That's like those again. It's like you watch Forensic Files and you would watch that episode and go, ah, "I see the flaws from step one." Oh yeah. Oh, I used to be such a bad drunk that I think back to that night and I'm like, "So everyone left me there." I know, right? <laughs> like nobody gave me a ride. And what? you know, Sebastian. I was handling my friend Sebastian the other day at uh, my buddy's bar in Detroit because I went down to go have dinner and stuff and. Oh, he's the talk. guy that I met at the yeah, uh, Guns yeah. N' Roses concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know him. Yes. Yeah. And I went and hung out at his bar, and we were just to have dinner and bring my son, and he's his godfather. And I saw Sebastian's got like a Chevelle, and I'm like, ah, you let my son sit up front. And I'm like, yeah, I sure would be nice if you drove me home in one of these at some point. <laughs> I never... But I was, I would get so lippy that I'd like lose friends by the end of the night. I can see that happening. Yeah, that's why I'm sober. So if anybody's mad about my drinking and driving accident, I was arrested 13 times, and then I eventually learned my lesson. I cannot believe that you are not in jail right now. I'm white. I <laughs> so <laughs> clearly, clearly white privilege. It it really breaks down, and yes, that's hold. definitely part of it, but uh, certainly part of it. But mainly in Detroit because you can't put a kid, and most of, it was 12 of it was juvenile. So you can't put a kid into Wayne County like that unless they, especially at that time in the nineties, they would kill you. So yeah, I mean, unless was, you, unless you were brought in for murder, unless you imagine. were brought in for murder, manslaughter, my friend, Anthony, who went to prison for three counts of manslaughter, they brought him in. But other than that, I did not know a lot of people. And when you did go, you went to, you were heading to prison. Like I, my buddy, Ogre Louie went to prison my buddy Dan went to prison like they went to real prison, you know, but one Dan tried to break into a Mercedes. I think it was. And it ended up being one of those ones that lock you in, Whoops. you know? Yeah. So then he thought he'd shoot his way out and it's all bulletproof. <laughs> oh, my God. He was 17 when that happened. It's I haven't gotta seen be him like in 20 years, but yeah, that was a long time ago. Well, and you're probably not going to see him for another 15 or 20, unless you go and talk to him through a plexiglass window. Yeah, I don't know if he's out or not. I know his, his other, his brother and his sister are doing well. I don't know how he is, though. So you go and see so you watching Lockup now would be like Lucky Luciano walking through the mob museum here in Vegas. <laughs> well, like, it's, oh, look, it's, it's old home week. When we got to the Detroit section, I knew a couple people. It was kind of cool. Oh, it's when the mob I went museum? there. Yeah, in Vegas. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool. I walked up and I was like, "Oh, that's my, it's my friend's uncle. This is my friend's dad." <laughs> <laughs> what if you storm? I gotta ask this question. If you stormed the Capitol in January, yes. What What would your costume have been? Oh boy, 
in January, probably something warm. I'm going to go panda bear costume. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> With a red, white, and blue flag. Yeah, that I can't even... That kind of proves, though, how most conservatives or at least people who are viewed as to the right feel. Because when I, when I saw that, it's like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm not championing that. I think getting right. ratted out by your kids is bullshit. But it's not like I look at that and go, oh, yeah, that's that's how that should have gone. It's like she got no. shot in the neck through a window. It's like, yeah, I think it's sad, but she didn't. That's what happens. Nah. Behave, no one should behave like that across the board. I No, and certainly not in the Capitol building no. amongst all that uh, chaos. So, no, I'm I'm with you. But I still like the panda bear outfit with the... Uh, with the red, white, and blue attached. What would to you it. be sporting? Me, I, uh, I'd probably go as uh, Peter Chris, <laughs> only because Gene and Paul would just be so predictable, and nobody, yeah. and people might actually think that the drummer from Kiss was attacking the Capitol. There is a chance that they would be like, "No, it's really him." They're I've like, there's, there's at least an 8% chance that people would have thought that I was actually Peter Chris because I, I have I... nothing else going on. I think I got to change it to Ace Freely now is how I would have dressed up. <laughs> Could you imagine? We'd have been just the worst part of Kiss. Just the which is hard to do. I know, right? Well, my That's... son loves my son loves Kiss because he's six, so I will take him to see them live. But I hate Kiss, but I love Kiss too because it's ter- It's like a bad movie that's good. Yeah, it's like uh, Roadhouse. Yeah, like you know, it's not good, but you're gonna enjoy it. You're just gonna keep watching it anyway, dude. You've yeah. been uh, you're in Texas now. You've been doing comedy for uh, for how long now? Oh God, when Ever. did you start? Oh, I guess oh three. Okay, so yeah, eighteen Maybe. years. You, I mean, you started off doing improv in Detroit. Yeah, in like two thousand one, I started in improv, and then two thousand three or four, I started in stand up. When did you make that, or why did you make that transition? Was it one of those things where you just saw improv as a way to be a better comedian, or did you just start in improv and went, oh, I really like stand-up now? No, I always wanted like SNL and something like that, and I knew that that's where they had gone. You know, I knew that that was a a large hub of uh, SCTV and Saturday Night Live, which I was a huge fan of, and much the lesser mad TV, but I knew people were on it, especially Keegan, Michael key from Detroit. Right. So I started there kind of in that hope. And then I really enjoyed the writing aspect because we were writing sketches, watching them come to life. That's a really cool thing to watch other people act out your sketch. And I would watch that. And uh, I thought, well, it's really just a bit you would do on stage. I just would have to tell that story on stage, you know? And then I tried that and and I kind of, took to it really quickly and i remember my first headline date was like at joey's in dearborn bill hildebrand gave me and i was like seven months in wow. and it went and it went well so i just kind of i just uh i liked it. it it stuck to me and i decided to do it you know and uh i've regretted it ever since <laughs> and why and why wouldn't you yeah, because every this is just no. I mean, as far as jobs go, this is the best. No, clearly. Uh, yeah, now you've had a full life by the time you were in your mid twenties. And correct me if I'm wrong on this timeline, but you uh, spent your 
youth working for a mob guy washing cars. He got arrested for throwing yes. white castles at a undercover cop posing as a hooker. Yes. Okay. These and, are then, all uh, and then, of course, <laughs> institutionalized, like yes. you mentioned earlier, with a guy who thought he was a werewolf. Yes, that's correct. Now, what's uh, the cra- what's the craziest situation in your life? I mean, and you've obviously had a ton of these. There is a laundry list. What situation ended up being a positive thing that happened to you? <laughs> uh, I know, right? Um, well, I guess actually, you know, I, I had a couple relapses, obviously. One real nasty one. <laughs> And uh, it was uh, 2009, my DUI, when I actually hit rock bottom. And I decided that I needed to clean my life up because I I got arrested. I ended up in jail with another guy who was crying. He was twice the size of me. And he was crying because he had beaten his wife. And I was getting a hangover, so I just kept yelling at him, like, well, maybe you shouldn't hit your wife. Shut the fuck up. Go to bed. You know, like, he's like, Dave, I'm sorry. He's, like, crying. I'm like, I'm going to murder you if you don't stop talking to me. So they came and got me. And, and again, I'm way smaller than him. I'm sure the guy could have killed me, but he was just so sad that he had beaten his girlfriend, and I guess she she mind, minded it. And uh, so they, The audacity. They, I know they're walking me to solitary to like just separate me. And it's this uh, female police officer. And I'm like, I'm in trouble, aren't I? And she goes, well, you did threaten to kill him on tape several times. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, we don't mind. And she, (laughs) (laughs) so they, they got it. Like why I was so pissed, but she still had to take my belt, my shoelaces, which is not the first time that's happened to me. And I got put in a glass box. This like glass box to wait all night. And I was let out and I took my mug shot and I looked like a I looked like a chubby Colombian. I looked like I was a coyote. And uh I seriously looked like El Chapo. And uh I had grown like a mustache because I hated my face and it was it was ridiculous. And I saw that and I realized like, oh, I have a very serious drinking problem. And this was after years of abusing myself. I mean, right. years of abusing myself to the level that I don't think people understand because they'll think like, you've heard it. Like we've talked about it. Like, oh, I like to party with Dave. And it's like, no, I was the kind of guy that when I was in high school, I would shake. If I didn't drink, I would wake up on my driveway, just lay in there. I remember, uh, you know, my neighbors would see me. I'd wake up in my bushes I'd wake up, you know, I mean, things that I don't even remember. I'd wake up, you know, I'd have like blood on me. I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. Maybe somebody punched me. Maybe I just fell walking into the house. I'd I'd crashed into my house one time, left the car on blaring and went inside and threw a cheese, a Kraft single that was on top of some Wonder Bread in the microwave. And I started jacking off in the kitchen. My mom was upstairs. And apparently I put the the craft single on the bread in for about 45 minutes. So I passed out cock in hand with the microwave with like still 30 minutes to go on the cheese and the car crashed into my home. I mean, I'm happy to eat a grilled cheese. Yeah, but not, but not a mean, ghetto grilled cheese. That's But I mean, not snapping one off with a yeah, craft it was single a, on some Wonder Bread. Yeah, I was so drunk. My mind was just like, well, I... 
Just gonna wait for this to cook and jack off in this here kitchen. Why? Why wouldn't you? You got forty-five right. minutes. Yeah. So it's. I look back. You can and, microwave a Thanksgiving turkey in forty-five minutes. Oh, you could do anything in forty-five minutes, <laughs> in, in, including, uh, including, you know, masturbate in your kitchen and put a nail in your mom's coffin. <laughs> That's gotta be. That tops. Pretty much most every story I've heard. It, yeah, that was a weird, weird day. I've had a lot of it though, where masturbating it's like, it, it, in your mom's kitchen. Yeah. With with a craft single and Wonder Bread. That should be the name of your next album. Yeah, it, it's true though. You can look back and laugh because my parents are dead. <laughs> That's the only reason. If I had to sit there and I have through holidays and know the things that they've seen, I uh your, your parents are dead. They uh, they were both. Well, your 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 mom was dating the guy that ran a bar, and some asshole was breaking shot yeah, glasses some, in the ice, and he just lost it and took it out on her. <laughs> Dude, you spent a a couple years in New York with uh, I did. the Anthony Cumia show on Compound yeah. Media, and I can't thank you enough for letting me come on there and be a guest with you guys, probably half oh, a dozen times, and for sure, just so much fun. Why did you end up leaving the show? Um, it was a really hard choice, actually. It came down to like, I love Anthony and he honestly is the, I think he's the greatest radio personality to ever live. I don't know if there's anybody who will ever be funnier than him. And it came down to, I was getting an offer. I'd been going and doing Crowder a lot and we were starting to click. Anthony, I'd gotten an offer, but Anthony wanted to move to South Carolina, which he still does. And I don't want to move to South Carolina. It's just not really in the cards for me. And, you know, I the more he kind of pushed that, I thought, well, maybe I'll take him up on this offer. And I eventually did. I, I took up uh, Louder with Crowder on the offer that they gave me, where it's pretty cool. I get to write sketches. I'm in third chair. They're really, really great people. Um, but really, it just came down to I felt it was time to move on because I didn't want to move to South Carolina, which it sucks, you know, because in hindsight, I don't know. I I, I think it bothered him and it, and it, it bothers me, too. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want it to end in that kind of a way where there was, and there's no bad blood, but it's definitely sad. And I think we're both sad to be honest. And I, I miss doing, I mean, it was, it was so much fun and I, I miss it a lot. And so it was, yeah, it just came down to a very, very hard choice. I mean, it's a great show. It was put together. Fantastic. Anthony oh, yeah. is a brilliant personality. The behind the scenes crew just did uh, amazing work with all the, uh, just oh, all sure. the stuff that they were able to pull out on the fly, which was just, I mean, they were just brilliant with putting that together. What was your biggest takeaway from that experience with Anthony? I learned, I learned everything about radio from him. Mm -hmm. I learned, I mean, it could be reading ads. It could be just talking, just listening to somebody, how to ask questions, how to interview. I mean, I guess the biggest takeaway was always it's perfectly okay to go for the joke. Right. And that's something that people always say don't do, but Anthony did flawlessly and just brilliantly. Like I'll never be able to do the impressions that he can, anything like that, but he was just amazing to watch how he could just entertain you for two hours 
And a lot of times it was just learning how to tease somebody up. So if I'm here, if I'm on your show, if I'm on, you know, the, one of the things that I noticed about Carson and was the ability for, uh, for him to tee up his guests so they looked great. And then you leave that show going, wow, I really enjoyed the show. You don't think I enjoyed this or I just enjoyed the show. Anthony knew how to make you look good, and I knew how to make Anthony look good. And that was something that I learned is the best thing is to not try to, because so many comics talk over each other, and it gets ridiculous, and the podcast is hard to listen to. And I think I learned that just letting it breathe and letting people have a conversation and teeing them up to look good only benefits everybody else there. Yeah, he just did such a solid job of that. And being being in that studio with you, I remember going in there the first time. It was very intimidating because I, I had known of Anthony for years. And I mean, I oh, was yeah. in radio, not obviously in the same league of where he was at. But I mean, I was in radio and I had heard of him through uh, just through the business. And so it was I mean, it was pretty daunting coming in there. And I mean, you made it a real easy transition to come in. You're like, hey, just you know, chill, play off of this. This will, you know, he's great. He'll tee you up with stuff. And, and it was the, the, you can't manufacture that chemistry between a host and a co-host. And what you guys had was really something special. I thought I, I really did. No, I agree. It still is. And, and I, I do want to go back and do the show and, you know, it's, Everybody who I brought on, I always told them, I brought, I'm bringing you on for a reason where it was like you, uh, Matt McClowry, Matt Holtz, Brent Terhune. Um, you know, Bob Phillips was the one that recommended me to be on the show. Mm -hmm. So without him, I never even would have met Anthony. And, uh, you know, he's the one that, that lined me up because he's like, I think you two are going to hit it off really well. So recommended me. Allie booked me, who uh, was their booker forever. And the rest was just a blast, you know, and it's it's trial by fire when you get into radio because the fans are rabid. Some of them just hate you and hate watch you. And you learn to build a thick skin and kind of, I don't know, you learn to walk through the fire, as Bukowski once said. You know, it, it's just, it really is trial by fire. What's the thing with trolls? The first time you ended up noticing them, I think, was probably... When you were on that show. Now, it was that incident I had with a guy who I'm not going to name because he likes it too much on uh, on uh, a different show that was. Right. Yeah. Um, right around then, you know, when I got into a fight where I defended myself and it was what it was. And then right. that's when I noticed him before. I mean, you get random people that would call you something, you know homophobic or racial or whatever it was and try to get a rise out of you. But then when it became like death threats and, you know, really taking it to different levels that I had never seen and making whole pages on you. And then I noticed like, Oh, there's entire podcast videos on me and stuff that it became, it became very weird. And now, you know, I have, I have a close friend or a former close friend who's using troll tactics on me, which is a bizarre thing, but you have to all recognize it as the same thing. And I also wonder how long that guy's been trolling me on different sites anyway, under different names. It's a very bizarre thing. Cause like Mike Malice is a troll, but he's great at it. A lot of people are not great at it. They're just cruel. And that's not really entertaining to me. There's a couple people and don't get me wrong. I read a hate mail on a fair one a couple weeks ago. Cause it was so funny. 
So I just read it, you know, and it was a blast. To, to you? Yeah. Oh, I get hate mail. I get I get mostly good, but every now and then I, I get a, a random, you know, fake email address and just telling me. Every... Well, now, is this a is this a hater or is this somebody who happens to be because for some odd reason, I mean, you've been on now a couple of conservative shows. I mean, Crowder is. Yeah, leans, very. Leans to the right, as does Anthony Cumia. Now, are these hate mail? Uh, messages that are coming in are these from people that are on the far left or are these just people that are just haters that are just being dicks for the sake of being dicks no a lot of can times you they're... can you judge that oh yeah i know which one are opie and anthony fans <laughs> I mean, that's, they're just past some of them might even like you the, right. those ones you can identify because they're a little more advanced they've been doing it a long time and some of them are really crazy. And then some, though, will make you laugh. Um, no, some are from the left now. But as I've said on Crowder and every other show, is it's like, I guess I'm libertarian. But re realistically, for anybody that thinks I'm red-pilled and anything else, I'm not. I was, I'm simply a moderate. I have my issues with government entirely for a lot of personal reasons, including my dad dying of Agent Orange, the government doing absolutely nothing. It's why I don't like what's going on right now. I don't like the new president. And it doesn't mean I was crazy about the old one either, but nobody can wrap their head around that. It's like you have to be this extreme left or extreme right. And the extreme left sucks. I'll just say it. I, I don't know how you can be in comedy and think that's a good thing. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. And I think the the extreme right is ridiculous too. It's like there's such a gray area where people exist. But if you're in that gray area, people look at you as right. And look, I know I'm on a polarizing show and I was on one before, but you're allowed to be who you are on whatever platform you're on. Well, and these people were literally, I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that you've shared with me privately and where people are calling you racist. Uh, that was you know, uh, I'm, I'm like, what the, f seriously? I yeah. mean, this is, I, it, and again, it's, I mean, I've listened to a couple episodes of Crowder as, you know, when you hopped on board and I'm like, oh, let me get myself familiar with this. Uh, I like the energy of the show. I like Crowder. Um always been a fan of uh i'm not saying this because you're sitting here i mean i've always been a fan of yours i mean but i like the how the energy of that show goes and how your contribution adds uh adds to it but to me i listen to that show and i'm not listening to it thinking that i'm listening to a right wing show by any means this is literally yeah, the one episode that i had listened to recently which is which was a couple of uh was about a week and a half ago talking about the um, hate crimes against asian americans Yes. And it was just a lot of fact-based stuff that was said in a very humorous way. Of course. And that's what the episodes are that I'm seeing. So it's not, I'm not seeing a narrative being shoved down anybody's throat. It's basically saying, look, here's what you've been hearing. Here's the facts. And I think it's important to put the facts out there. And I think it's important to dive into the things that you've heard and what's true and what's not, because everything, every bit of media has this side that's pushing an agenda on you. We all know it. We can watch it. We watched it on CNN today. We're watching Biden answer these softball questions that were easy as hell. And then he's he you go on CNN and they're talking about how great it was. It wasn't great. It's politics as usual. The way that it ended up, look, hate Trump all you want for the way he behaved. But the way that the press treated him and the way that they were to him, 
if they were doing that to Biden, he would have had a brain aneurysm from being confused. And oh, it's clearly. like, and again, like you know me, I wasn't some big Trump thumper either. But people have that misconception. But it's the same as when you say racist or, you know, the Legion of Skanks get called that all the time. Fucking anybody does now. I mean, it's. 20 2021 where you just use these hot button words whether it's misogynistic or homophobe or transphobe or xenophobe or whatever you want to say because if you if you don't just lockstep with these ideologies there's something wrong with you when right. i go i don't understand why there is an eight foot tall 50 year old man playing basketball with junior high school girls people look at i'm sorry i'm not going to pretend that that's normal and that I'm not allowed to say something like that. Right. And, and again, I'm not going to also say that you should hurt these people because you shouldn't. No, not at all. I mean, I think the violence that ends up coming from, or the violent uh, rhetoric that comes from the left seems to be way more ramped up than anything from the right. I mean, well, when, when, well, like when Rush Limbaugh died, well, dude, and they all I mean, were happy and celebrating his death. They were losing totally their minds about him dying. And listen, I, you know, was I a fan of Rush Limbaugh? No, but I, I'm not a fan. No, I wasn't of, either. I'm not a fan of Don Lemon or Chris Cuomo, but I'm not going to cheer when they die. No, well, because you have class. You have I'm some like, ability. What is wrong with you? Right. And it, look, I wasn't a fan, but how do you deny the fact that he created something and did something with his life? Oh, yeah. You can't just pretend that he was this this uh, useless person who had no opinion and no ability to share it. I mean, it, it's it's absurd to see how they behaved. And what bothered me about what happened recently where I got called that was we were doing a, a bit on the show where black farmers came up. And uh, Stephen had kind of done a bit of a, a, a racist voice because one like it was like one point eight percent or black. And I made a joke about planting Hennessy and some other hack. Like it wasn't a highlight of my life, you know, but it was two lines that got picked by a thing called media matters, which is a company that has been devoted to crushing anything that's not left of center or extreme left. So they picked a minute out of the show and put it up saying that we went on a racist tirade. And then they were able to put that up and people just read the headlines. So I started having a lot of friends from uh, Detroit reach out to me. A lot of them obviously black. And I talked to them, explained what, and they said, well, it wasn't really you that bothered me on the clip, but you're still in the room laughing. And you go, all right, fine. But what they all ended up having in common was that they had spoke to a former friend of mine right. who is mad at me for, I have no idea because I've done more for this person than anybody i've given him the shirt off my back i've helped him through some difficult times and to watch this guy look at like when i was on anthony's show he was very jealous and he's like i think you're living my life i introduced you to ona you know and it's like well so try stop blaming right. everybody else i i tried that's why i'm in this and successful yeah finger this, pointing and lack of accountability is is huge with people right. and they'd rather and, sit there and Look at you and be shitty. And I didn't mean to derail your thought. I apologize. I'll let you continue. No, but I mean, I, you know who but he I know, is. I know exactly who he is. I mean, he's, you know, open mic caliber talent at best mm -hmm. who drifted away from doing comedy. And for whatever reason, that's his path. And he's now angry at you for having the success that you've had. So that's, mm -hmm. but there's no reason to sit there and, 
listen, if you're going to be quiet about it and sit in your mom's basement and bitch about a friend of yours having a more successful life than you, that's one thing. But to turn around and now call you a racist and then share that with a ton of other people that you know, and now you've got to sit there and cover your tracks. It's like, this is bullshit. Right. And do it based on like, he waited for that article, got the link and was like, there, you know, I got it and posted it. And then I had friends reach out to me, like I said, you know, and, and, you know, like I'll even say like Ricarlo and some other people who got a hold of me. And I was like, well, dude, you know, and, and they weren't happy with it, but we talked about it. Right. You know, and we discussed it and I said, look, you get caught up in a moment and sometimes you make jokes that you don't necessarily stand by, but I'm not going to apologize for it. Right. I just have to go, okay, well, this obviously wasn't, and it wasn't a highlight, you know, it was a thing that came out and I explained to Ricarla what it was. It was about Biden and Biden had, uh, had given a speech about how he was going to grant money to minorities to have farms. And instead of taking a shot at the former vice president, so we like to call him the former vice president. Um, instead of taking a shot at him, we we took a shot at the minority farmers, which look not the direction I should have gone in hindsight. Right. But also, again, it's a minute long clip of a two hour show, and if you do radio every day, you're going to say something that offends somebody in 2021. So I'm I misdirected where my thing should have gone, and I was like, sure. yeah, it wasn't the most, it wasn't the best moment of my, you know. But it right. wasn't. A, it, it also wasn't a cancelable. You know, he wanted it to be this cancel moment, but it's like, no, I didn't say. This is about the host of the show against a media company that's been trying to take him down for years. But look, he did the same thing when I joined Anthony's show. He right. got all upset because he's like, that's where the Proud Boys started and this and that. And it's like, you mean long before I was there that I have oh, nothing geez. to do with whatsoever? Are you me? Yeah. So, and then again, you know, if, if he, uh, let's just say he ever needed something. Would he uh, would he accept dollars that were in my pocket that may have been given to me by that very source? You could say that he did. Right. You know, but but that's fine. But then it just bothers me because I've never done anything but good by that dude. And he's the one that stirred all that shit up. So I'm right. talking to every black dude I know from Detroit going, you know me. And then I found out the one common thread they had in common was they talked to him. It's like, well, why are you? Why? He's got he's got no career. He's he's low class. It's Bush League. And he's just going to keep acting that way. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, he's just trying to find something to grasp onto that uh, takes him away from his own existence. And it's sad more than anything. I mean, I just feel, you know, at the end of the day, all you can really do is feel sadness for somebody like that, for them living in whatever kind oh, of, a, a, of a portal that they're in. It just, uh, you know, it just sucks. And now, yeah, and, and, and we see censorship everywhere. And I mean, how much, how much more of this censorship was thrown in your face from your experience oh. on Anthony and now on Crowder? Well, our experience on Anthony, you know, we put, we started putting up a lot of stuff online um, just because, you know, to even avoid accusations of what, because what we're doing was funny. Right. All it comes down is what we were doing was radio and saying stuff that was sometimes offensive, sometimes not. I mean, it is what it is, but. Yeah, there was a huge amount of censorship thrown in my face, not to mention having to do stand-up comedy up until the pandemic. Then doing stand-up during the pandemic, which is my job, and doing the responsible thing, taking flights, getting tested, knowing that I, you know, the number of tests that I've taken is just insane. 
Right. It's like I'm always being responsible. But I also am the guy who you know, too. I'm a complete germaphobe. So it's like I'm already wiping down the seats with alcohol. I'm already doing this crazy stuff that everybody thinks is so uh, out there now where it's like, I don't care if you wear masks on a plane, you filthy animal. I don't want to sit next to you anyway. So I... (laughs) I, I, I'm fine with taking precautions and being cleanly. I've always been cleanly, but you know, my son had it early on. I got it. I, you know, I had the antibodies. I took the proper tests. I took the proper precautions. Right. And that's it. That's all it comes down to. And then I kept living my life. And then I have to watch all these people like, you know, personally, I've had a lot of loss in my life. I have lost a lot of people. We all Mm -hmm. have. But I've lost some to sit here and not live my life because I'm going to be afraid of a cold that killed a very small percentage of people that right. was being used as a fear tactic to get a guy out of office. And I don't give a shit what side you're on. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. It was a fear tactic. And that's why we're supposedly coming out of it and opening up the world again. I watched everybody I know who's in the middle class who own businesses suffer. I watch people fail. I watch people lose everything. And then we're going to sit here and talk about how, you know, like grandma killer. Once I saw that they were buying into this bullshit the way that they were, that's when I just said, I, d- I don't care. I'm not going to lie about it anymore. And that's when you start getting labeled as somebody who's on the right because of a distrust for, for the government. Right. And a distrust for the things that you're being told from the people that have controlled you and control your money. All of a sudden, it's it's strange to question that. When when did that become even right wing ideology? I always thought that was liberalism. No, I agree. I mean, I, you would like I said, I would consider myself more libertarian than anything else. I mean, I'm Me more too. Fiscal, fiscally conservative and morally liberal. I mean, I don't care if you want an abortion. I just don't want to pay for it. Right. And I would actually consider myself. I mean, I've been very fiscally liberal in my life, but I keep getting, you know, I've been stabbed in the back a lot and I'm kind of tired of it because, you know, like if I get something, I open doors for people. I try to get them on shows. I try to get them on TV. I try to do the things that I can. I've never been a selfish prick. And I just, to have somebody go at you or to have other people go at you, they're completely denying my entire character because they believe some ideology more than their own friendship with me. It makes no sense. And that's when I, it's not that I don't respect them. It's just, I look at them and go, how do you, how can you think like this? Especially ones that are as smart as the guy we're talking. It's like, you know, you're smarter than this. Right. But I think some people want to be manipulated because they want to be lazy and they want to live off of a handout, Mm -hmm. which is fine. Look, if you want to do nothing, do nothing. But don't yeah, get mad but don't sit people. there and yell at somebody else who's actually doing something and being successful. And, you know, you're not throwing it in anybody's face. And, and yeah, you've Absolutely. been always more than gracious and more than uh, kind and considerate about opening doors and uh, bringing me on board, doing uh, Anthony Cumia show with you and then opening doors at uh, at Fox, going on the Tom Shalou show as well. Um, you've done so much for, for a ton of people and yeah, for somebody to sit there and question your integrity based on a show that you're on is just, is completely ludicrous. Now you were on, now you're on Crowder right now, Louder with Crowder. Yes. That, uh, how is this show different for you from Anthony Cumia's show? Um, it's more, a lot of the stuff I do is written. A lot of it's sketch driven. Uh, you get up early, you work on the show, you work on sketches, you, uh, it's a little bit more organized, you know, in the sense of, I mean, he really puts it together in a way that he has this whole uh, 
complex and this whole thing that he puts to but he's he's also very real where with anthony anthony is a and i say this with love a degenerate scumbag the same way that <laughs> you and i might be so we related i'll, I'll on take that. that i'll own it yeah i mean it is i uh, would love like there's nothing i just talked in the beginning of this episode about you know destroying my car in a ball of fire and driving it backwards so you know, I'm not a, there's certainly moments in my life I'm not proud of. We all have chapters. Of course. So uh, Anthony isn't a necessary, he's a guy who I would say is a liberal who likes guns and just wants to be left alone. So like a libertarian. Right. And he's been labeled as a hard right, alt right, you know, uh, person because he had Gavin McGinnis on his network who, you know, I've met a couple times and I can only base on how you treat me if I like you. And he was always nice to me. So regardless of what anybody thinks, I can only base that on how I'm, you know, how I get treated. But right. I, I wasn't there when he had a show either. Now, this show, he is he he's definitely libertarian, but he's also Christian. You know, there's we're more of a PG-13 where I would say Anthony's show is a, a, is a nice hard X, depending on what episode you want to watch. Um, oh, yeah. So this it kind of enables me to dance around what I'm saying a little bit, which I do enjoy. There's nothing more right. I enjoy than pulling off a filthy joke that's actually somehow PG. It's well, so much fun. Well, that's that's your act. I mean, which which cracks me up. You can take something that is so dark and twisted and people don't really even know how dark and twisted that can actually be because of the way you worded it. Thank you. No, I, that's what I enjoy doing. I enjoy wordplay. I enjoy putting something so dark and horrific into a, a simple, fun turn, you know, where people just, they don't even realize they're like, we're dying laughing at a, a beheaded kid in a river joke. There was, <laughs> I'll tell you what, the funniest Several funny stories. One of the funniest that I remember was you and I working together in Vegas at the MGM at Brad Garrett's club. And it was during rodeo week. Oh yeah. I remember that. Okay. Okay. So we're working there and you're up on stage and I'm in the back of the room and you did, and it's a rodeo going crowd. And yep. so the people that are there, I mean, you got a lot of, uh, you know, people from outlying areas. And so they come in there. Hey, it's a comedy show. We love, you know, we love comedy. We love to laugh. Here we, here we go. And you're on stage and you did three jokes in a row that were, they're hilarious. I've seen them kill multiple times. And they laid there like a crafts, <laughs> like a craft single on a piece of wonder bread with you jerking off in your mom's kitchen. They, <laughs> Laid there. And I'm in the back of the room with our friend Ed, the manager at Brad Garrett. Oh, he's the best, yeah. And we are rolling in the back of the room. The room is silent. I don't know if you remember this. And you're on stage, and, and all of a sudden, you, and you crossed your arms because they weren't laughing. And you held the mic, and you, you just looked at the crowd, and you went, you know, you guys could have Googled me on the way in. <laughs> and I about shit myself i was laughing so hard ed and i were in the back falling on each other <laughs> because this crowd was like what the fuck is this oh it was the it, there's oh some of that though too God. when you do it it feels so good like yeah. people are like what is it like if it doesn't work it's like 
Well, at this point in my career, I know what works. So I know when it's on them. So if it's not working, I kind of just love it when the whole room is just like. So damn funny. Now, do you end up getting people, obviously, for for you doing what you do, the shows that you're on and getting the pushback from some of these lunatics. Do you get these people that show up at a show? Because that's got to be kind of creepy. I mean, you do a show and they afterwards you're out there with your merchandise and all of a sudden here comes this nut job and they get in your face. Has that happened with you? I've had it a couple times where somebody has shown up to attack me. Right. And, or at least, you know, kind of write something negative about me And a couple, uh, one article went out at like university of Michigan, but I wasn't at all surprised because I saw the girl in the front row and I was like, oh, she's here to write an article about how, you know, I'm a piece of shit because it's for a comedy. And she wrote an article that I could have written for her based on she just needed somebody to pin the article on. You know, right. the ideology was already there. But I've had people come up to me where even a couple weeks ago, uh, a girl had come came to see me because she was not a fan of Louder with Crowder. And uh came up to me and said how much she enjoyed the show. She's like, I don't know. You just walked the line and I laughed and whatever, you know, and that was it. And I've had people threaten to come. I've had people threaten to pick it and, um, you know, and then threaten to, you know, I've had people call the club and stuff. It's, it's a little bizarre, but usually when people see my act, the furthest thing I'm from is any of that where, you would assume that I'm like, yeah, I, I make fun of Biden. I make fun of a lot of things that go on. You know, there's a part of my act where I go, you wanted rich white men out of power. So you elected Joe Biden, a guy who pulled up as your Uber, dri- Uber driver. You wouldn't get in. Like, come <laughs> on, man. Now I'll take the next one. I'll and pay it- I'll pay the $5 cancellation fee. Right, yeah, right. And I don't care who you are and what side you're on. Tell me that's not true, and that makes sense to you. You're right. You tell me why there's an old, rich, white man with dementia sitting in the office right now, and we're just sitting here going, we're just, well, (laughs) we're just playing this game that we're being, we've been manipulated by our whole lives, and I, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I will... You know, I've talked about that with Obamacare and a lot of stuff. The, the thing that I agreed and I voted for Obama for was because of a lot of the things trying to do something with health care, because I believed in him wanting to change it because of stuff that had happened to my family. And I watched the pre-existing condition act kill my family, kill my dad, which eventually killed my mom. So I believed in what he did. But what happened? The same guy who we were just talking about with the ideology of calling me, you know, uh, whatever names he wants to call me was so pissed off that he had to pay a tax that if he didn't have health insurance and it's like, okay, but now you champion that guy. Right. It's like, I, I didn't like what he did with healthcare either. I wanted it to change and I believed Obama would do it. He didn't. Trump didn't do it. Nobody did it. So right. I'm still watching somebody to try to come up with the ends. And that doesn't mean socialized medicine. It doesn't mean that you should get a tumor and then go get insurance. But it certainly does mean if you've been paying into something for 20 years, if that company turns around and says, well, we think you were born with it or we think you had it 25 years ago, we're not going to cover it. 
fuck those companies. They should be penalized and you should be given what you've been paying for all those years. If it's pre-existing that long, especially even a few years, if you didn't know, fuck you. That's the responsibility of them taking your money. Do something about it and change it. And then I say that and I have to have somebody come at me about how I'm right wing and radical and I, fuck you. I am anti being controlled and being shit on and having our money taken to only be used against us. It's the same thing with the bailout. They blocked Trump's bailout for as long as they possibly could. We watched it happen. We, they wouldn't sign anything over. Then they promised more money. Now you get a new guy in office who writes us another dog shit check. That's not going to do anything. And people don't remember that's right. your money. They're not giving you anything. It's your money given to them to take care of you. But what do they do? Abuse social security, abuse the system, spend money on stuff. We don't want them to spend it on. Tell uh -huh. you to wear masks while they go to dinner and dance in Times Square as a couple. Cuomo's, you know, fingering half his staff while talking about <laughs> how, how great of a, a COVID warrior he is. And then you sit there and you question these people and these other, these people who claim to be liberals have the audacity to question you because you're questioning a system that is Why can't you question that system all of a sudden? You're championing that side. You're championing the government and thinking that they're there for your safety. Fuck off. The government doesn't give a shit about you. And I say this no. all the time. I go, listen, you go back and you know, you know which organization I would never, and this sounds horrible, that I would never give money to? Wounded Warriors. You know why? I, be I believe in the fact that they're helping people, that they're helping veterans. But why? Why are we having to give money to an organization to help soldiers sailors air force people marines why are we having why are we as people a society ha citizens having to give money to this organization to help these people out the government has fucked them mm -hmm. and they continue no, they to fuck them and these organizations continue to well we, we do this there's like the folded flag foundation they get the uh, wounded warriors and all this there's other a lot stuff of them. And, and tons of them. And I and, and listen, I think, I mean, these people, why are they not being taken care of? Why is it, hey, we're sorry that horrible stuff happened to you in Iraq. Here, you're taken care of. And it just, it doesn't happen. And nobody questions this stuff. They're like, well, you should give money to this. And I'm like, no, the government should take care of these people. Absolutely, they should. And we, you look at, and anybody who would question what you said just now, they should probably realize that you've been to Iraq to perform for the troops. You've yeah. done fundraisers to make money for people that are wounded warriors. So have I. I've donated to those things only because I, I don't know, I feel a certain element uh, to give back. The, the issue I have with all of it is it comes down to the VA and the money from the government that's given to take care of these people, to take care of our soldiers. Right. And they don't. They look for any reason not to. And with nom vets, they were just waiting for them to shake out and die. It's like, sure, we sent you into, you know, fields just sprayed with our own Agent Orange and this, you know, let you die. And But now that's causing all these side effects, we can't really pay for it. So it's yeah, fine now. You, it's the same as these everybody who's pissed off at Trump for having, uh, like, you might not like fracking, but as long as stuff runs on oil and gas and we're using our own resources, okay. Mm -hmm. But now, look at what happened. You're paying $4 a gallon now 
because they want to help the poor Mm -hmm. or they want the, to help the environment. Do you believe that for a minute? Why, why can't I question that? Right. And then, then you and this is the kind of shit I get attacked about where I have to hear somebody go that fucking dipshit we're talking about go oh, you got red pilled and this, this. Oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry that i had certain things that happened to my family that made me open my eyes because i distrust something and anybody that wants power over you i don't give a shit who you are if you have the narcissism to run for president and think you should be leader of the free world i don't trust you no i don't want to hang out I'm, with I'm you. the same way i'm the same way I'm exactly the same way. Yeah, you know, you should never, you should always question government. Always, always. And You're do your research. To. And that's yeah, what this exactly. is based on. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, you go against the, what, what, what the mainstream media wants you to think. And now all of a sudden you're questioning something. Now you're being labeled as, uh, you know, a racist or, um, you know, an anti, you know, the antichrist. It's like, what are you talking about? And 10 years ago, I, you know, when I was on the road and I would get pulled over or something, uh, usually for like speeding in a speed trap zone in the middle of like West Virginia, I would get this certain amount of fear, you know, that would just hit me because I've been beaten by police and, and that sort of thing. Right. And I get this reaction that sends shivers up my spine because I was thrown down staircases and beaten with billy clubs and shit. So I have a reaction and I would get yelled at by this very same person after for like, why would you behave like that? And it's like, I don't know, my natural instinct to be defensive when there's a flashlight in my face, even if I haven't Mm -hmm. been doing anything. But part of me now realizes, okay, well, that's not necessarily all cops. We can't keep putting labels on everything. We have to open up our eyes a little bit and start looking at people as individuals, but they don't want you to look at people as individuals. Everything has to be a color-coded system it's why i watched a video about rage against the machine the other day where they're bringing these kids out to a camp and they're like burning crosses to show you how to do that and some guys doing white is bad math on a chalkboard going you know when did whites become whites and not just uh ancestors of of certain countries like why why are the swedish and the english and the german and you know why are they all the same thing and it's like yeah why are they all the same thing because my italian and irish ancestors got here in the 1900s and were treated like dog shit oh yeah but i don't hang on to that nobody should i never experienced it you go back and you look at the you know you new york and uh you know, when you first started seeing the signs posted, you know, Irish need not apply. On top of, uh, you know, they were number one. Number two was Italians. Number three was blacks. Like there were a point, there was a point in this country where they were looked at as superior to a lot of white classes. Right. Now that doesn't excuse what happened to them. That doesn't no. mean that they're not old land that's promised whatever. That doesn't mean that, you know, we should just completely ignore the fact that there's a lot of ghettos filled with certain people. But you also have to realize who's in charge of those places and who wants you to stay there. What are you questioning? Mm-hmm. Like, there's just a lot of things that go on that need to have a deeper look. And again, that's not everybody. But yes, there is obviously a system in place that keeps marginalized people poor. But the current system is trying to make everybody poor, except for the elite class. And if divide and conquer isn't real, 
why are we cut in half right now? Because it's it's the most functioning, like the way that they've been able to use social media and media to divide this country in half is fucking amazing. Oh yeah, I mean it's everybody. What was so funny was there was the uh, Biden thing where he's like, I can't believe that we're not all that everyone's not all happy and on the same page. I'm like, just because you got into office and said we should all be happy and be on the same page doesn't. You're not Harry Potter. You're not waving your little magic wand and everything's going to go away. People, you still got a lot of pissed off people. And and, and you just saying we should all come together as a country isn't going to make everybody go, oh, okay, I'm good. Yeah, roughly 50% where we can also look at it and go, well, your win was a win, but was it? And if you say that, people are like, you're insane. It's like, no, it's it. dead people voted like they do in every election. Right. You know, I mean, obviously it was it was a very close call. And then if you start questioning that, they're like, what are you, Alex Jones all of a sudden or whatever? And it's like, no, I'm just asking questions. Why did they cover up the windows when people were looking in in Detroit? Why did they do certain right. things? Why can't you ask these questions? But now there's people who claim to be liberal that are completely on the side of the government because they think that somehow Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who's locked more people up than crack are somehow (laughs) not racist. It's so stupid. It's crazy. So I don't know. That's just my opinion. No, no, we got, we, we got awfully fucking, I think it's the most serious you and I have ever been ever. I think so in, ever in life. In yeah. Any I, amount of time that we spent together, we spent a lot of time together and this is the most serious conversation. <laughs> yeah. And have, it's like, that we've had, but it's, but, but again, it's a real conversation. There's again, there's nothing wrong with having open thoughts and open dialogue about, uh, about everything that's going on because everything is such a dumpster fire right now. It absolutely is. And that's the scary part is people don't want to acknowledge it and they're turning on their own friends and their own families. And that's what, that's what they want. Yeah. That's what a power over you wants. Mm-hmm. When I when I saw the the line of this last election and you look at it and go, well, this is this is terrifying that it's divided in half. That's a terrifying terrifying thing to see. And that means one in every two people disagree with you. Yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where I don't even watch the news. Well, and you that sounds- can't. That sounds horrible, but I mean, you can't, you just get so, it's so toxic. And even when I go on Yahoo just to get my email and I see like the feed that comes up, I'm like, oh, please make this go away. And they, they say ignorance is bliss. It's the truth. I love when people say, oh, hey, did yeah. you watch the news? Did you see what's on today? And obviously I know you have to for your show, but for me to sit there and watch the news, I just, doesn't matter what I watch. You know, I just get pissed off. Because yeah, everybody, exactly. it's just, I'm like, this is stupid. I'm like, why am I mad? I'm, I was happy when I sat down. And I yeah, could have been happy if I just watched the hockey game and didn't turn this other horseshit on TV. Yeah, it's like when you see a slow guy bagging groceries, you're not like, he's not miserable. <laughs> he's, no! Like, he's happy, happy. He's just happy. He's just yeah, exactly. He's he's in the back. He, they give him ice cream and he gets a wage and he goes home and he plays with the I, cat. I mean, he's happy. Well, there's, there's this point where I think you shed people from your life because you just get like 
you know, every day you just get hit a little bit more and your back gets a little bit more hunched. And there just becomes a point where you go, oh, I, I finally understand that hell is other people. And if I don't find ones that just accept me for who I am, this is going to be an even longer ride or feel longer than it needs to. Like, I, I you know, you it, life is short, but it doesn't make it pleasurable. No, one of the it was a great uh, comment that I read. It says some of the most poisonous people in your life are disguised as friends and family. It, it and that's the sad part is people that want to keep you keep you sick almost. And and no, it's true. No, it really is, dude. You are listen. Besides our wickedly serious conversation here, which uh, which I love because I Thank love you. having this uh, dialogue back and forth with you. Uh, your uh, your movie King of Detroit, which is on yes. Amazon. Right now, people should watch this. It's great. It was shot in my hometown, your hometown, Detroit. I love the movie. Uh, you've got some other ideas about things that you're looking to put together. If you were, I'm going to ask you this as we kind of get set to close out here. If you were to write me into a script, what would my character be? Well, I have definitely written you into a script or at least the idea of you into a script which I no shit. Yeah. I'm working on a, a, a Christmas movie that I can definitely see you as, <laughs> but uh, I actually have you as, as of a, a mall security guard. That's uh, quite hilariously cruel. I love which, it. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> how I feel that you could, but there's, Man, there's a couple movies that I have like the idea for you. I think I was telling you about the one, um, but yeah, that one specifically because I really, I really do want to make this next movie, this one I'm working on. But it also is going to be semi kid friendly because the king is just not. And I kind right. of want a movie that a family can enjoy. Right. So it's like you're a dickhead, but you're still likable, and not everybody can play that. It's, and I mean this as a compliment. It's like your act. I love it. You know what I mean? I have no like, problem being labeled the lovable dickhead. Yeah, like there's that's how I look at it. Where you say things, or you might come off a certain way. Well, you know, you come off likable, but you just you're very matter of fact. You are who you are. You're unapologetic for that, but at the same time, you're still willing to take punches at yourself. So that's not an easy thing to do. I think people lose that in comedy because if you don't have that vulnerability to where you can get punched, it really doesn't work. So your comedy might be critical of somebody else, but somehow it always comes back to you. And that's not necessarily easy because you're not doing it on purpose. It's a genuine thing that you have. So no, in any movie that I have, it has to be a likable asshole. Oh, I and I mean it. that with love. Dude, I wouldn't, I, I take that as nothing but love. And I think everybody should get a chance to, uh, Get your get a copy of your album Nimble Fingers, which is on iTunes and anywhere else that you can snag a comedy album. It is absolutely hysterical, as are you. Uh, Louder with Crowder is the podcast. Stephen Crowder, uh, Google it, find out where it's at. What are the uh, what's the, the the preferred podcast platform for people to watch this on? Well, they can watch it every morning on YouTube or go to Crowder Bits. It airs at 10 a.m. Eastern on YouTube or Crowder Bits later or The Blaze. Uh, we're on The Blaze where you can watch the whole episodes and we do an overtime that's uh, exclusively for Mug Club members, which is like an extra half hour of the show. 
where we just kind of take people's questions and chat and that's that sort of thing. It's a really well run machine. Uh, they're really good people. I, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, it's it's just a blast. So check out the Blaze or check out uh, YouTube every morning, 10 a.m. Uh, we have uh, millions of people that that's I think so cool. Yeah, including to the including the Blaze and the different platforms. We I think it's like five point two million. So it's it's really cool to to see a a fan base like this. Well, dude, it's great to see you, somebody who is not only hilarious but works their ass off. You've got a tremendous work ethic, and you are one of the uh, you're one of the few people that I keep in my uh, close knit circle of somebody that I call a. Uh, a great friend and Likewise. Uh, and again seriously i can't uh, can't thank you enough for everything you've done for me and i think uh, people should see you whenever they get the chance davelandau.com is his website follow him on social media and listen on louder with crowder dude good to see you my friend good to see you <laughs> thanks for listening to a drink with derek find out when derek is appearing near you by checking out derekrichards.com see you next time for a drink with derek